been one of my privileges to be a part of this church and uh, to meet people like Jim and and to realize that God calls people from every background, every job, every destination. God is good. <clears throat> I want to thank you. <clears throat> Sorry, I want to thank you for uh, allowing me to speak, Pastor, and for those of you that uh, know me. Um, I've pastored for a number of years. I'm now teaching at a Bible college. And I had shared with the pastor a, a new class that I had developed. And um, the pastor liked some of the thoughts and asked me if he felt it would tie into the last series that just ended. And it looks like the series that's going to continue, uh, the new one. So I'm going to share that with you. Uh, before I do that, though, I, I want to introduce my family um, I have my two daughters, and I have my oldest granddaughter and her new husband, who I just had the chance to marry uh, about two or three weeks ago. And <clears throat> they're celebrating Father's Day with me, so I, I really appreciated their coming. And uh, they were uh, kind of encouraged to come since I was preaching, you know, to, to come and support the old man, you know. So, anyhow, one of the foundations I put in this new class, it's called Discipleship 101, and that's what the college asked me. I teach at a Bible college in the area here, and so um, I've been retired from the pastorate for about five, six years. And so I, the college asked me to step up and start developing this idea of discipleship. There's nothing more important in the life of a church than that you disciple your people. If you think about it, Jesus spent his three and a half years intensely pouring into 12, and, and there's a lesser group called the 70 that Jesus poured himself into while he also ministered to the crowds. And uh, when you look at where Jesus spent his time, you begin to realize there's an importance where he delegated his time. And so I shared with the uh, president that we need to come underneath this and uh, to develop this. And so it's not that we weren't already discipling, but there's a lot of breakthroughs that are happening right now on the mission field, and there's new forms of discipleship that are taking place where that are actually creating movements of Christianity in different cultures. And so I wanted to inject that into the life of the college, and so we're doing that. And so this was the first uh, quarter that I was able to do that. So I'm going to be talking out of the uh, scriptures, I'm going to be looking at John chapter 5, verse 17, and then verses 19 and 20. And um, I, I want to talk about the fact that God is always at work. That's what Jesus said. He's always at work. What does that mean? It means that God is always in action around you. It's just that you have to see it. You have to have the eyes and the faith and the connection to God to be able to discern what uh, God is doing around you. If there's any one thing I'd like to really encourage you with today, it's you can have a deeper, more intimate, more personal relationship with the Lord by experiencing him. And uh, that's what I want to do. I've had people tell me, you know, I've been a Christian for a number of years, but I really don't feel that I have a deep personal relationship with the Lord. And that's, to me, sad. That's a tragedy. And as pastor's been trying to point out, the Holy Spirit is always there. And if we're believers, he's in us. And he wants us to recognize him. 
And uh, I mean, for years I've had people really uh, know about the doctrine of God. They know about God. They just don't know him. And so God wants us to know him. He wants us to have that personal relationship. And uh, and one of the things we're going to do with this is pastors asked me to do a seminar July 21st. It's going to be a Saturday. It's going to be just the morning. And I'm going to be teaching on this more specifically, how you can identify God, how you can see him and experience him each day if you really want to. Uh, you can have as much of a relationship with the Lord as you want. It's, it's up to you, and I'm, I'm here to give you some tools. Pastor's been giving you some tools. Our classes and our uh, ways of service gives us uh, tools to experience the Lord. We just have to step into it. We just have to wake ourselves up. Um, I always taught the kids, uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, But you also need to say, Lord, I know you're out there. I know you're working. I want to see you today. I want to experience you. Okay. Um, let's go to John uh, 5, uh, 17, and I'm going to read some scriptures to you, and then I'm just going to kind of share some slides with you, some ideas, and I'm just going to lay a foundation for the seminar that's coming up on the 21st. But I, I want to give you enough so that you can kind of get a taste for uh, how to press into the Lord, how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in experiencing more of the Lord. Jesus uh, said this in verse 17, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Skip over to verse 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he is doing. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. There's a lot more to, to read on in and talk about, but I just want to really drive home this idea that, that God is there, and he wants you to see him. He wants you to know that he's working. And it's important that as we as children, as God's children, understand that the Holy Spirit is not only resident in us, but he's working through us. I think sometimes the Holy Spirit is working through us when we don't even realize he's working through us. I've had people actually in my life come up to me and say, you know, there's something about you, you know, and, uh, and I'll go, really? You know, this might be at an airport or somewhere like that. And they'll just say, yeah, there's just something about you. And I'll find out that they're a believer and they feel the Holy Spirit. They sense the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there. It's just that he wants us to intentionally be a part of what he's doing, okay? And not just be something that is just his presence, but it's an explanation of maybe of what people are sensing. Um, we have to kind of shake ourselves and say, I have the Holy Spirit. I have the, <clears throat> the, the person of God in me. I need to now know how to work with him. Because whether we like it or not, God has chosen to limit himself to you and me. Now, God is working. He's holding everything together. But it's more than that. God wants to redemptively show people who he is through you, through your unique personality, through your unique life experience, okay? So we have to learn how to do that. 
And God wants you to build a deeper and closer relationship with him. Now, I'm going to give you five experiences that reveal the reality of God working in your life. There's some underground truths that you're going to have to grab hold of, and you're going to have to believe, and you're going to have to step into them if you want this, okay? Number one, God is working. That we've already talked about. But number two, slide number two, says that God pursues a loving relationship with us. Everything God does in our life, everything God works through us and around us to do is for the purpose of building a relationship between you and him. God loves the world, but he loves you. You need to understand that. God, it says in 1 John uh, 4.19, I believe, it says that, God first loved us. God first loved us. Even when we were in sin, God first loved us. So God has always been after us. I don't know about you, but there's many of us who, uh, we weren't looking for God when God found us. You know, we weren't looking for God. Uh, I remember in my college years, I worked with a group called Campus Crusade, and uh, we'd go out on the campus, and we'd be witnessing and sharing, and there'd be people trying to have their lunch, and of course, (laughs) they were targets, you know, and we would find ways to get alongside of them and kind of share the Lord, and uh, on a few rare occasions, we actually led someone to the Lord uh, in that situation. They weren't looking for God, but God was looking for them, and I believe that there's something here that we need to really grab hold of. When we come to God, the Bible says this in Romans 5, 5. He says that God pours out his love in us. I don't know. uh, John calls it in Revelations 2, 4, calls it first love. When we first get connected to the Lord, we have a sense of God in a way that is unique and powerful, and and it releases us. I remember as a 14-year-old in uh, my little Baptist church, um, I had no intention of walking down an aisle uh, in front of everybody, but that's the way Southern Baptists did it. And uh, and so all of a sudden, I find my hands gripping the seat, and I realize I'm under conviction, and I'm I'm you know, feeling like I should give my heart to Jesus, and I wasn't about to do it. And I don't know about you, but I found myself at the front. I'm, I'm not even sure about walking down. I'm just not sure. I think I was translated to the front. But anyhow, I, I gave my heart to the Lord. I just remember walking out of the church that day. The sky seemed bluer. The, the grass seemed greener. It just seemed like something had come off of me. Something had, or something had very enlivening uh, happened inside of me. And I remember that. And I remember, and I'm 14, right? I remember enjoying going to church. I remember, like, getting my Bible out and enjoying reading my Bible. And I wanted to be connected to the Lord. And we call that first love. And what we have to be careful of is not to lose that first love. And we have to nurture that. But what happened here was that God had, first of all, loved me. And he pursued me. Now, my dad was a, um, was a Christian man. He grew up as a Christian. My, our family was Christian. So I was fortunate. I was always exposed to the things of God. And, uh, and it was a wonderful thing when the day happened that I gave my heart to the Lord. How many of you know that you can be around God? <laughs> he just not be in you. Okay, so it's not enough. It's kind of like being, if you live in a garage, it doesn't make you a car, right? 
Okay, so <clears throat> just because you sit in a church doesn't make you a Christian. So what you need to do is you need to have a moment in which you personally, you personally say, Lord, I want you come into my heart and my life. And uh, that was a day in which I realized I needed to make that deliberate, intentional decision for the Lord. So God didn't only just die for us so that we can spend forever in heaven. God died for us so that we can have a relationship with him. And this is the thing that's amazing. There's billions of people, but God knows each one of you uniquely. And he has each one of you with a unique purpose. And God wants to fulfill his life through you, his mission through you in your unique way. Uh, When God first comes and, and fills us with this love... It's to drive us into a personal relationship. We, we should hunger and thirst after the Lord. David says, my heart pants for the Lord as a deer for the brooks, uh, for the water in the brook. And so we see that God is working and God wants to have a relationship with us and he wants to personally love us and have us love him in a deep and abiding way. I remember uh, being at a camp. I, you know, God bless uh, youth camps. Uh, they're powerful. Uh, and I really encourage you, when your children can go to those camps, there's, there's a wonderful ministry there. And I remember a pastor preaching about, you can have a, uh, you know, talking about our personal relationship with Jesus. And that was one of my first things that went off in my mind. I said, what do you mean a personal relationship? In my mind, I'm saying, what do you mean a personal relationship? Because I didn't remember shaking God's hand. I didn't remember, uh, you know, having a stirring dream. I'd heard people talk about great testimonies. And I'm wondering, you know, what is it to have a personal? Do I personally know the Lord? And I was just walking around thinking about that. And I think, I don't have a personal, like I know my dad. You know, I know my mom, I, you know, but I didn't have a personal. And that's the thing that began causing me, well, where is the Lord? How do you experience the Lord? And that's what I want to tell you. And I don't care if you've been in the Lord for 40 years. You can have a deeper relationship with the Lord if you want it. Okay, so slide number three. Now, you say, where where are you getting these thoughts? There's actually a guy named Henry Blackaby. It's not my thoughts, okay? And it's it's a book called Experiencing God, and I'm using this in our Discipleship 101. And uh, I really encourage you to get that book, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And he talks about the seven realities of experiencing the Lord. And I'm just going to cover a few of them here just to kind of give you the idea. So, um, God is at work. He wants to have a loving relationship with us. And number three, this is slide three, he invites us to join him. Whenever you see the Lord, whenever God shows up and you realize that was the Lord, that's also your invitation. God doesn't show you things just so that you can go, wow. You know, I mean, I like it when there's a wow, you know. I've watched God do some amazing things, and you sit back and you go, wow. But God wants you to be ready to do two things. One is to know he's there. He did that because he loves you and because he's involved with your life and he wants to move in and through you. And number two, he wants to work through you. You know, God could do a whole heck of a lot better um, job of witnessing than probably we can, right? But God wants to use imperfect people so that we'll grow in our 
knowledge and our experience with him and share him, even imperfectly, God wants us to share and be partners with him in the ministry. Let me give you an example. We had a gal years and years ago, this was when I was first in the ministry, we had a little church over in the Piedmont Hills area, and um, we had a gal there named Sarah Gutshaw, real sweet older lady. And um, one day we were raising money to uh, to, to build a, a larger Sunday school wing. And uh, so I stood up and I said, okay, do we really want this? I mean, this was Baptist politics at its best, you know. And I'm standing up and I'm saying, well, do, do, we need to take a vote. Do we really want this or not? And um, I was 23 years old. I didn't really know how to provide a lot of you know, background in this. I just stood up and said, I think we need a Sunday school wing. You know, what do you think? Well, they said, yeah, we, we think we need this. We believe that it's, it's where our Sunday school's growing. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, then we've got to have the money. So how are we going to finance it? And Sarah got up and she said, um, I don't know why, but I brought the pink slip to my car. And she pulled it out and she held it up and she said, um, I'm going to donate my car to you, sell it for what you can get, and I want that to go towards um, the Sunday school wing. And uh, I said, wow, Sarah, I said, thank you very much. Wow, that's that's really generous. And so, uh, (laughs) and then as we started to go on, Sarah said, oh, uh, by the way, I don't have a way home now because I'm going to leave the car with you. And she said, would someone give me a ride home? And uh, Sarah was very outspoken. She was one of these gals that would just speak out. And, uh, and so uh, there was a guy na- there named Dave Wild. And Dave got up in the back and he says, Sarah, I don't know why I brought the pink slip to my car either. But he says, here it is. And he says, I'm going to sign this car over to you. He says, I have another car. He says, I'm going to give this to you. And so Sarah not only donated her car, but she drove home in a newer car. You know. <laughs> you know. Now, did we see the Lord? Okay, so that was spectacular, but God is there every day. Even, even when all the lights are green and you're late. You know, I think God is in control of stoplights. I really do. And I've seen the Lord mercifully grant me, you know, uh, that. But sometimes it says every good thing comes where? Down from above. Now, usually we think it's every bad thing, you know, you know, because God's after us. But every good thing comes down from above. And so God is, is always there. So when we see the Lord working... Now, in Sarah's situation, it was confirmed. God wanted her to be generous. God was there already working with her. He wanted our church to go ahead and build this thing. So we found where God was working and what his will was. And that's exciting. Now, I want to encourage you in something. When you do see the Lord do it, do something amazing, write it down. Write it down. You know why? Because you'll forget a year from now. You'll say, now, who, who was that lady? Who was the other man? You know, if you don't write it down, then God loses that testimony in your life. You want to remember what the Lord has done because that's what your Christian life is. It's the testimony of what God's done for you, right? Now, if God's done nothing for you, come on up and let's get saved, okay? Because if you're saved, God's working in your life. You are a son and a daughter of God, and God wants to move and work in your life. <clears throat> 
Now, on slide four, we're going to see that there's another principle, and that is that God speaks to his people. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice in John 10. Now, some of us feel like, well, I can't hear God. No, you can hear God. You just got to focus. Okay, when you get up in the morning, you, get, you, you need to say, God's going to speak to me today. I'm going to experience the Lord, and I'm looking for him. Now, at the end of the day, you might say, well, I don't, I don't think that I saw God. No, the Bible says he was there. Uh, my wife used to buy a murder mystery book called uh, Murder, She Wrote, and uh, by Jessica Fletcher. And I know because I bought a lot of those books for her. And um, in the cover, there was always a skull, but it was always um, in the background. And you had to really look to see where that skull was, you know. And I think that that's what happens when we get up in the day. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, open my eyes, let me see what you're doing. Let me see you so that I can grow in my relationship with you because I know you're there. Now, God speaks to us through several ways. He speaks through us through Scripture. He speaks through us through circumstances, just like Sarah Gutshaw's situation. He speaks to us, according to Romans 8.16, by the witness of the Holy Spirit sometimes. Have you ever had the Spirit witness to you that you should call somebody or talk to somebody, and it just begins to work in you and you can't get away from it? If you're a child of God, that's most likely the Holy Spirit moving you. I've had, I've had people call me, and I've said, "How I'm so glad you called. You are, it's, your timing is perfect. I needed to hear what you had to say. Now, see, that's the Lord. And if I was you, I would go home, my little journal, and write, God used me today. God helped me to be there and speak into the life of so-and-so. We also know that he speaks through dreams, and we know that he uh, speaks through other believers, you know, the wisdom and the counsel of other believers. Let me, let me give you an illustration. Um, I, I, I serve in a pastor's group over in Milpitas still. They kind of made me pastor emeritus. And, uh, and so there's one pastor over there. His name is uh, Nick Belaski. And uh, Nick was um, asleep one night, and he shared this with the group. And uh, he dreamed that his neighbor's house was on fire. And he dreamed of getting up and going to the window and uh, seeing the fire and uh, running to his neighbor's house, knocking on the door, and getting him up. And the next thing he knew, he woke up, and he thought he heard rain. And so he got up to see if it was raining. It wasn't. His neighbor's house was on fire, and it sounded like rain. And so he ran down and uh, knocked on his neighbor's door, and his neighbor was still asleep. And he says, your house is on fire. And then he stood back, and he looked, and the fire had leaped to his own, the roof of his own house. And so he runs back in, and he gets all of his family up, and the fire had dropped down through to the main uh, part of the house. And if he had not gotten his family out, it went right up the stairway where it would have trapped his family. Now, see, God was there. God gave him the dream, God woke him up, and God delivered not only his neighbor, but his own home. Now, the thing about it is, is sometimes we're so involved in life, we are hard, our, our hearts are spiritually hard, and we don't see what's right in front of us that's spiritually true. And we don't want to be that. We want God to make our hearts soft. Now, Brother Blackaby says, and this will be the last um, uh thing I'll share about his, his principles, his seven principles here, but it says that God's invitation leads to a crisis 
of belief or faith. Whenever God shows you where he's working and he invites you into it, it's almost always beyond your ability to do it. It's almost always, I can't do that. That's too much. That's beyond me. How in the world could I do that? And if you look at Scripture, if you look at Jacob, and you look at Moses, and you look at Joshua, and you look at all these, they're always being invited into things that are huge. I mean, they're, they're so much bigger. Now, you may not lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, but it may be a challenging thing that comes to you, and all of a sudden you realize, number one, it's God, but you realize, number two, you can't do it. And there's a reason for that. What do you think the reason would be? Right. It's going to take God to do it through you, and God is going to get the testimony for what you can do. And I want you to know something. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. What, what I want you to get a handle on is this. God has always intended to do more, more than what we see. It's just that we've got to believe that he can do it through weaknesses even for who we are, as weak as we are. God wants to do incredible and amazing things through us. When you look at Moses, um, and you say, oh, wow, you know, I'd like to be like Moses. Well, Moses didn't want to go. You know, if you gave God the hard time Moses did, you probably wouldn't be chosen. But for some merciful reason, God kept after Moses and got him to go. God uses imperfect people. Let me say this real quickly. Not every one of you are going to have the same kind of uh, encounter with the Lord because each one of you have a unique calling. You have a unique uh, purpose that God has for you, okay? So you're not going to be, you're not going to have the same experiences. And one of the ways of discovering the will of God, and we'll talk about this more in the seminar, one of the ways of discovering the will of God in your life is to look at what kind of experiences he invites you into. Okay, And so each one of those things, it's not, well, should I be a rocket scientist? Should I be a, a doctor? Should I be this? It's not that Jesus said, I don't choose what I do. I look and see what the Father's doing, and that's what the Son does. And what does the Bible says? The Father loves the Son. He loves the daughter. He wants them to see what he's doing. And so Jesus found the path God wanted for him by just simply stepping into the works of God. Do you realize every miracle Jesus did, every incredible word Jesus spoke, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. That means that if, you know, there was times when Peter says, everyone seeks you. And he says, no, we're going to leave here and we're going to go to the next town. You say, well, why didn't he heal those people that were there? Because that's not what the father was wanting them to do. We do what the father wants us to do. That's how we look when we get up in the morning. So you go out and you see that two tires on your car are flat. The will of God for you is to change your tires on your car and to understand that somewhere in that process, God's going to work in that day. Could be that you'll have a good attitude, you know, even when it's kind of a hard and a difficult thing that's happened to you. Do you see what I'm saying? When we begin to look for the Lord it causes our hearts to soften. It causes us to begin to look and not question, well, why did this have to happen? Man, what a bummer day. No, you don't need to say what a bummer day. It's just that God wants you to be proficient in knowing where your spare tire is and and put it on your car. So, let's look at some questions. 
what is the relationship you have with the Lord? Because you can have an adventure with the Lord. Now, you might say, well, can I start right away? Well, yeah. You know, if you, well, we have that experience with the two pink slips. Sometimes you can see it very clearly. But what I'm saying is that every day you could begin the process of just seeing God in a beautiful flower, in a beautiful moment, in a child. My wife was a, a second grade, first grade kindergarten teacher. And uh, sometimes she'd have me come and take pictures for the class and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and it was amazing how these children have such a godlike, you know, innocence in them. And you can see uh, God's hand in their lives, even in their personalities at that age. You can start seeing how God is and, and how life many times is beginning to work in them. Where, where are you? Are you waking up each morning and are you asking if you can see God? But above all, we need to be asking. I'm sorry. Did the slide, did I not give you the seventh slide? Okay. Sorry. The other thing is, is the last question, am I willing to let the Holy Spirit Show me how to join the situation. You may not know what to do when God shows you something. You may, you may not be in the situation where you know exactly, um, well, what is God doing? It may not be as clear as what Sarah did. But what I'm saying is that um, when you look at it and you realize that it's beyond you, the most important thing is to understand, yes, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how I can do it. I don't know how it's going to be accomplished. But if you're showing me this, if you're working in this, then somehow it's going to happen and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to step in and I'm going to bless and do whatever I can uh, to serve and to work in your strength. Does that make sense? So what I'd like to do uh, is I'd like to pray with you. And I'd like to challenge you uh, today. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. Today, as you're driving home or as you're walking out of here, you just need to start saying, Lord, wake me up. Help me to see you. Give me eyes to see, ears to hear like Jesus. Let me do the things that you want to uniquely do through me. And help me to know you, Holy Spirit. Help me to follow your leading, follow the leading of the word. And begin to experience a deeper walk with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Do you want a deeper walk with the Lord? I've had my, I'm, we're working with our grandchildren um, more closely these days, right, Deborah? And, um, and it's interesting. Sometimes they're saying, well, why do I want to do that? That's hard work. <laughs> you ever had that? that that's not the issue right (laughs) the issue is you're going to do it and uh, we'll help you but the thing about it is is it's hard work sometimes to get to see the lord to press in after the lord to desire the lord and to know him in a deeper way but if you're willing to do it the lord's already done the heavy lifting he's already giving you his holy spirit and he will witness in your heart when you're on that path that he wants for you let me pray for you 
Father in heaven, I thank you so much for what you have done for us. I thank you that you have done the heavy lifting. You've given your son for us. You, O Lord, have given us the opportunity to be saved, to know you, to be filled with your spirit, and to be able to have your word and the leading of your spirit. And now, Father, I pray, even as we've been teaching through these series and as the new series develops, I pray, Father, that you would, above everything else, begin to waken up our hearts. Help us to desire you in a deeper and more personal way. Lord, we know other people by experience, and we know you by experience. It's not that experience takes any precedence over your word, but when we obey your word, we experience you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll grow us, you'll develop us, and help us to become all that you intended for us to be. But more than anything else, Lord, may we fall more in love with you, and may we know you in a deeper and more personal way. In Jesus' name, amen.